and welcome to Betfair's brand new podcast, Cheltenham Only Better. I am Megan Nichols, and every week I will be hosting this great new podcast, and I will be joined by two regulars. We'll start with Daryl Carter, who is Betfair's very own, very strong, opinionated, um, and also Jerry McGrath, who is ex-jump jockey and now a bloodstock advisor at Goffs, and also trying to find his very own superstars and rockets for clients along the way. We are going to have some great guests in the coming weeks. And today our guest is going to be Ryan McHugh, who is also a very own uh, Betfair trader. So we've got a great team for week one. It's going to be obviously building up to the pinnacle of the national hunt season at Cheltenham Festival. So team, welcome. Thank you for joining. I'm going to start with some of the weekend action just gone. We've seen some superstars along the way, that is for sure. We are going to be touching base on the champion hurdle shortly, so Constitution Hill will no doubt be brought up. But a couple of sort of eye-catching and great performances we must start with. We'll start at Newcastle, and Lon Presse, obviously, winner of the rehearsal chase. Now, he didn't win sort of... By half the track, some people maybe was expecting that, but he had a huge weight, and um, I thought it was a pretty good performance. I mean, Jerry, from from your point of view, you know, first run back of the season, you had to be fairly happy with that. Yeah, definitely, Megan. I thought from Charlie Deutsch's point of view and Venetia's, I just thought it was a very smooth run. I just thought everything went to plan. Uh, he had a nice, handy position the whole way, jumped well, jumped from fence to fence. Um, and it's one of those, I think the winning distance was only a length, length and a half, but I think there was an awful lot more under the bonnet. And I just thought you couldn't have asked for a nicer first run. Um, to be honest, I watched the race when I was at Newbury and when I saw the result afterwards and I saw he was six to four, I was very surprised. I thought he'd actually been you know, shorter than that. Um, it was a good weight carrying performance, but I just thought it was a lovely first run for the season. Um, and fair play to Venetia. She wasn't happy with the ground the week beforehand. So she waited the seven days and I think it was... Um, Julie rewarded. Darren, you look like you're bursting to come out with something. Maybe you weren't quite so impressed. <laughs> no, look, look. I'll, hello. Anyway, um, yeah, I was, I was really impressed with him. I loved him. I think he's, he's a, he's a gorgeous horse. I think he jumps well. I think he travels. He's got a beautiful stride on him. There's loads to like about him, right? I don't want to knock him, but my God, do people get carried away with weight carrying performances? In my opinion. Like, this horse is a top-class horse. He's a grade one horse, okay? He was ridden fairly prominently, so he pretty much just got the, the fractions how he wanted them, Charlie Deutsch, out in front. That long stride and just the long galloping stride and the high cruising speed he's able to go just puts them the, the inferior horses under pressure regardless of the amount of weight on his back, in my opinion. So while you would be extremely happy, as you said, because it was his first run of the season, look, there's bigger targets ahead. Yes, he's got it done and out the way. I think the over, I think there was a big overreaction on the performance. I thought, I thought it was what you wanted to see. I didn't think it would. I didn't think it blew me away. Yeah, fair enough. And and obviously, there's talk now of, of him heading for the King George before potentially a Gold Cup sort of route. Ryan, what do you think about his chances going forward for the King George? I mean, you know. Daryl's saying there he's got a big galloping stride. Newcastle's a much bigger track than than Kempton. Do you think he's got an honest chance and will the track suit? Yeah, well, he, he's obviously won over two and a half mile, Megan. So that'll help going into a King George. The fact he's won over a shorter trip. Um, regards to the Gold Cup itself, though, I think seven to one, what he is now is plenty short for what he's done. 
Uh, the Silly Isles he won last year. Obviously, it was a grade one, but I think that was a weak grade one. Um, and then he obviously went on to win at Cheltenham. But Brave Man's Game obviously came out on the morning of the race. And if you just go down through the race, um, I'm not sure it was the strongest uh, novice ran at Cheltenham last season. Obviously, Galliard de Manil came out and placed in an Irish national, but Capadano never jumped the fence that day. And there's a few that disappointed um, because of the grounder from jumping mistakes. So although he did win well on Saturday in Newcastle, I think it was a bit of an overreaction for us to go 7-1 uh, for the Gold Cup on the back of it. I still think he's a, he's a lot to prove in that in that respect. Like when you look at the likes of Protector at is around 10-1, to 1, even last year's winner, uh, Aplutard, he, he's a bigger price than him as well. They've much less to prove at that level, at this level, and than he has. He obviously hasn't run in an open grade one yet either. So um, until he goes and does a little bit more, for me, 7-1 to one is very short for the Gold Cup. Interesting thoughts on non presse horse we'll definitely be talking more about in the coming weeks. Um, down to Newbury, a couple of races I wanted to touch on there. One of them was um, a novice chase won by McFabulous, who has always been held in quite high regard by Paul Nichols and the team. He beat a multiple uh, grade one winner in Time Hill. Um, I I personally was very impressed with the performance. I don't know what you guys thought. He'd obviously had a previous start over fences, which could have helped him. But um, you couldn't you couldn't have helped but being slightly uh, blown away by the performance he put in at Newbury. Yeah, I'll I'll take I'll take that one up in my fabulous Megan. Yeah, he obviously had eight pound to find on ratings with um with Time Hill. But for me, watching the race, I just felt. Um, at the end of it, thinking that Philip Hobbs is only a matter of time before he goes back over hurdles with Time Hill, I'd imagine. Just the way he jumped, um, he jumped poorly. Obviously, in Exeter, he jumped generally well in the main. He made one mistake, I think it was, at Exeter, but he just didn't look in love with fences. Similar to another uh, horse in the air, Camp Ron, who didn't look in love with chasing. I wouldn't be surprised if both of them went back over hurdles. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised either to see some people playing around with him on the exchange, maybe at a big price time hill for the stairs hurdle this season because he didn't seem in love with fencing. It was only a three-runner race as well, so there's no real excuse to, to get boxing or get in trouble. He, he'd light at all of his fences. McFabulous, on the other hand, was very good. Um, again, to win at the festival and Chantham, he's going to have to improve again. There are probably £10 to win a grade one novice at the festival. And if, he's probably not 100% to go. I'm not sure if, if that'll be the route for him. He might end up going down the brave man's game road that he went down last year. He obviously skipped the festival because of the ground and ended up uh, at Aintree. Obviously, Kempton is next on, on McFabulous's agenda. So um, McFabulous is a really likeable horse. He actually kind of surprised me on how well he'd done it. Harry Cobden seemed pretty easy on him to, to put away a horse like Time Hill, but I think most of it, in my opinion, would be down to Time Hill's uh, poor enough jumping. And as I said, I'd be surprised if Philip Hobbs uh, made it to the end of the season with Time Hill staying over fences. Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing for sure is that, um, you know, Paul Nichols is very good at improving horses from being kind of not quite graded level over hurdles and turn into, um, you know, proper graded chasers. Now, Jerry, do you think that could be the case for the McFabulous or do you think it is a case of Time Hill just not loving it? Maybe a combination of both. To be fair, I think Paul Nichols, after seeing declarations, I thought it was very good placement and declaration from Paul himself because I'm not being funny. I just, after Exeter, I thought I thought Time Hill was actually going to go straight back over hurdles. He's just too careful. You know, some some horses don't take defences because they're not careful enough and they're too clumsy. Time Hill, he's not the biggest horse in the world, but he was much, much too careful with himself at Exeter. And I thought it was a very good bit of placement to take him on um, at Newbury. And like you said, he was um, McFabulous. He just made it look very easy. But I just think Time Hill, he's just he's not a chaser. And, and like you said, he'll be going back over hurdles sooner rather than later, I think. Come on, Daryl. 
You're bursting again. <laughs> nah, nah. Uh, well, I'll tell you why I'm bursting, uh, Megas, because I reckon you've got the inside line on this. You've got the inside scoop here, right? Because me, why yeah, me? Because Harry was Harry was jocked up that day on Gelino Bello, um, which I I I'm finding very difficult to get out of my head. So clearly, Harry and perhaps Paul, your dad, thought that Gelino Bello was the one to be on that day. Um, Look, I put I put Tom Hill up after his Exeter performance for the proud advisory. I made a terrible error there, clearly. Um, but I thought he jumped well at pace at, at Exeter. The one thing that worried me that day is he's got a really good record fresh and he hit he didn't hit the line hard coming up the hill with Exeter that day. I was I was there, stood by the rail, and he came on very, very tired. I'm just one he was never he was never right from the get-go at Newbury. I'm just wondering if they will give him another chance, and perhaps that came to quick if you look at his hurdles record he's actually got a much better record but he gets plenty of time between his races so i i I think they've been waiting to go chasing for a long time i don't think they're going to draw stumps just yet so uh it'd be interesting to see him next time i can i can completely agree with what the lads are saying he doesn't look natural but i just didn't think he looked natural from the get-go at newbury whereas in comparison to exeter on his debut i thought he they went quite hard for much of the circuit and i thought he jumped really well at points um, making ground, uh, landing, running over his fences. So I just thought the two performances were a complete contrast. So uh, yeah, but I want to know the I want to know the inside scoop from you, Megan, about Gelino Bello. Uh, how good is Gelino Bello if 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 Harry was going to choose him over McFabulous? Well, look, there's there's no secrets about it. They're both obviously talented horses, but you know, ultimately the race cut up and there was a lot of rain due, which they got sort of eight mil overnight. Um, Thursday to Friday, and then they put obviously the same amount of water on. Then obviously the the Friday to Saturday, but it made absolutely no difference. Obviously the ground's been so dry; they needed every part of it. And ultimately, Julino um, Bello is a horse that needs more testing ground to to be more effective. Um, and Fabulous is probably better on the uh, sort of quicker surface. And as it turned out, the ground was sort of perfect for McFabulous. Um, G- uh, Gilino Bello is going to Exeter on Friday now instead. So I think was it, it a was case more... that they would, was that both of them would, wasn't going to run then? Was that the case, do you think? But yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It was, you know, if it had sort of been good to soft all over, they probably would have both run because then you're sort of in between for both of yeah. them. Had it gone one way or the other, then, you know, th- th- there was there was a, an option for one of them. And, as you know, like I say, uh, Julino Bello is going to go to Exeter on Friday. Now, Exeter isn't going to be heavy ground, don't get me wrong, but it's a much stiffer, more galloping track. Um, and so, again, I think that was probably quite good placing and, and declaring in the, in the respect of there's only four anyway, why not monitor it? You know that they're, uh, they're all. I don't know if they were scared of Time Hill or, or what it was. Um, maybe other people felt that their horses were better suited by more testing ground too. Um, so ultimately, I think Dad's kind of done it as a bit of a weather watch and, and see what happens. So it was more suitable for McFabulous than it was Galino Bello. So no sort of big uh, <laughs> secret <laughs> ideas you can get from that. Anyway, unfortunately, I've, I've sort of ruined that one for you a little bit. Um, Interesting stuff there. McFabulous, like we say, is more, most likely to go to Kempton for the quarter star novice chase. So we'll probably see him um, over Christmas time as well. And then the other race, um, two absolute legends, Champ and Paisley Park. It was probably, don't get me wrong, Constitution Hill was incredible, but it was probably the best race 
of the weekend in the respect of how competitive it was, considering two horses pulled so far clear of the rest. And genuinely, I was at Newbury that day. The reception for those two horses on a Friday was so good. It was great. People really got behind it. Um, Paisley Park got as much of a cheer as champ. And, uh, you know, two horses that you just have got to love. Yeah, well, I'll take that one. Um, yeah, I, I like I was delighted. It was it was an incredible performance. Um, from two like two brilliant stalwarts of like I think that's what make national hunt racing brilliant. You know, um, these these good jump horses they're around year after year. You know, as long as they're sound and everything like that. And you know, I just thought it was brilliant. Like you said, I wasn't actually newbie myself that day, but you know, even I was watching the rest of Newmarket sales, and you know, there was people roaring at the TV like it was the Gold Cup. You know, it was just incredible. <laughs> Just great to see two good horses like that battled out, um, both of them having their first run of the season. But if you look at Champ's record, his his record first time out is probably the best time to catch him. Um, he's probably better kept fresh. He's an older horse now. He's getting on. He has his niggles and stuff like that. But um, no, I thought it was a brilliant race to watch. And to be fair to John Joe O'Neill Jr., I thought he gave him an absolute brilliant ride. Um, someone told me now, I don't know how true it is, but apparently the fractions per furlong for every single mile were nearly the exact same you know mm. incredible uh, I thought it was a brilliant ride and uh, no fair play to John Joe I thought it was it was quite funny it was interesting afterwards AP did an interview and, and said um, you know his, his build up his work building up to that had been sort of fairly average he galloped at Newbury and it was okay but you know he wasn't blown away but I actually spoke to John Joe um, a couple of days or the day before um champ ran and he said oh he's just literally got off him scored him it's the best he's felt the best he's scored so happy with him <laughs> so i was laughing afterwards when ap said oh yeah his, you know his, his galloping's not being great but you know it just shows as horses get older sometimes they get a bit more sensible obviously jerry you'll know him more than any of us being at nicky's but he does seem to have grown up a bit he certainly looked a lot more straightforward at newbury this time than he has been on previous occasions yeah, and to be fair, AP's not actually lying there. He's actually, like, we actually have to work this horse with 110, 115 rated horses at home because if you worked him with a proper good horse, like, real, like a, say, a Shishkin or a Chantry House, something like that, they they wouldn't, he wouldn't get near him, as in, like, he'd be too he'd be too far behind him. Um, but he's just had a great, he's had a great prep. And to be fair to AP, he rode him in a Gallup Brown Newbury about two weeks ago and he pushed him for about four and a half furlongs and it probably did him the world of good. AP was blowing. AP or the horse? Well, I was, AP was blowing for about an hour after. <laughs> yeah. um, it, did him, it did him the world of good, to be fair to him. But um, no, it was great to see, great to see him back to back to where he um, he loves being. Um, Daryl, I just ask you quickly. I mean, you know, for me, I although Champ was brilliant, I was nearly more impressed by Paisley Park in the respect that he's probably better on testing ground and a stiffer track. And although John Joe went lovely fractions to make it an even gallop he didn't go you know crazy fast that it was a real test of stamina but Paisley Park traveled so so well yeah absolutely the Paisley Park deserves a big upgrade for me the fact that John Joe's got them fractions spot on he was given such a soft lead out in front I think I think you can upgrade Paisley's performance there. he's around 20 to 1 for the stayers now look he's probably vulnerable from from a win perspective but he weren't far away last year you know he's going for the race I mean, I wouldn't put you off backing him each way. That was like that. I think on his um, on all his figures, that was the joint career best on a seasonal return. Uh, like you say, on ground that didn't suit, 
against one that pretty much set the fractions. Listen, I'm, I love Champ. I've been in love with him since day one. He has given me the worst days of my <laughs> life in racing, punting days, and he's given me the best. And I screamed him home that day, but I couldn't help but feel that Paisley Park just needed that effort upgrade, and I thought it was an outstanding performance from him. Ryan, if they both go to the long walk at Ascot, would you have a preference on on which one of on you know on the back of Newbury? Yeah, there's obviously not much between them, Megan. Like, but I suppose I think Jerry mentioned that Champ's record fresh is outstanding. And if Champ was my horse, I'd go straight for the stairs with him because he got within four lengths. You have to remember of of Florian Porter last year. He wasn't being too far in the race. Um, but he had a run. He was beaten, wasn't he, before he, he went to the stairs last year. So I think if they go fresh with him this year, um, I think that would give him a much better chance of, of winning the stairs hurdle. Um, although he still will have to kind of improve a little bit on, on some of his past form. But we know his record at the festival itself. He's obviously second in a, in a Ballymore. And then he obviously won the, the RSA, well, I think it was at the time. So he's a really good record at the festival. But I think um, they'd be best if they wanted to win that race to go there fresh. But if they both go to the long walk, there's not going to be much between them again because Paisley Park obviously comes on for his seasonal reappearance um, plenty, whereas Champ doesn't. Um, wasn't much between them the other day. So I can't imagine there'll be much between them in the race itself or in the betting if they both end up in the long walk. But I'm hoping that Champ might go straight to the stairs hurdle because I think that'll be the best chance he has of winning that race. Right, that's obviously um, the three I sort of wanted to, to touch on after the weekend. My next question, not one of you is allowed to say Constitution Hill because we're going to come on to him in a minute. But we'll start with you, Ryan. Is there any other horses, just quickly to mention, um, that sort of caught your eye over, over the weekend? Yeah, well, I'm going for a horse that was beaten in his beginner's chase um, in the first race of Gorham Park on Saturday, Megan, Manella Kikuna. Um, he was even money favoured on the day. It looked it could have been a graded novice chase um, on paper beforehand. It was a really strong looking race. I just think the ground might have beat him on the day. And Willie had a lot of odds on or short price turned over at the weekend. Um, I'd say a lot of them might have been coming on for the run more than he even expected. Um, he was pushed out to about 10 to 1 in place. I think we we're 8 to 1 for the Brown Advisory off the back of that defeat. But I do think back on better ground, like last season over hurdles, he really improved for better ground. He jumped well, which is the main takeout, I think, uh, of the race at Gorham Park on Saturday. So I think anyone that can get 8 or 10 to 1 for him for the Brown Advisory um, at the festival, I think I think he'll definitely, if he goes the beginner's route the next day, he'll definitely win that. But he can, could end up going uh, straight into a grade 1 company. Uh, over fences, um, known Willie, but he should he should run over three mile all season. I'd imagine uh, it was two and a half on Saturday, but given he was second uh, behind a nice guy in the Albert Barrel and obviously won at the Dublin Racing Festival over three mile, I think that'll be his end plan in Chatham. So Manetta Kuhn is my horse to take out the weekend. Daryl, have you got one that we haven't mentioned yet? Yeah, it's a pretty obvious one though. It's uh, the um, maiden hurdle winner at Navin on uh, Sunday, Grange Clare, Grange Clare West. I thought he was, I loved everything about him actually. I loved the way he was very keen early on. I loved the way he was a bit novicey over his hurdles. Loved the way he warmed into the race and then he just loomed up and he won going away very, very easily under hand and heels. I mean, there's not many horses that tend to come up the Navin Hill quite as strong as he did. He was a big, big money purchase, about 430000 I think. He's now a point-to-point winner, a bumper winner, and a maiden hurdle winner. I think he's he's got Ballymore written all over him. I think he's he's a class horse. Uh, he's only going to improve. That run came off 500-odd days off the track, um, and it was his hurdle debut. I think there's loads more to come from Grange Clare West. And Jerry, I... I... I don't know if it's one we could we could mention that wasn't quite on the weekend, but I know you must have been pretty happy with a horse of uh, the McNeil families that won at Weatherby. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's um he's an exciting juvenile. Um, he was bought this well, he was bought it during, during summer, 
Um, with and he's been gelded and stuff since. Yeah, but he's he's an exciting horse called Spartan Army. He um, I spoke to Alan King actually today about something different, and I just asked him how he was, and he said obviously we'd probably go to Chris, go to Chris, go to Kempton at Christmas with him, um, and then hopefully on to Cheltenham. But he's actually very looking forward, really looking forward to getting back on the flat next summer as well. He still thinks he's very unexposed on the flat. But um, oh, yeah, for a jockey's agent, that's very useful to know. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You learned something new. Uh, but no, he was very good the other day. It wasn't kind of you wouldn't have said he'd beaten too much on the day, but it was just the way he jumped and travelled through the race it was very impressive. And hopefully, he's a horse that we can follow going forward. And he's got a big bright future, you know. Well bought as well. Apparently, rumor has it the uh, the blood did quite a good job on that one. <laughs> hopefully. Is anyone taking credit? <laughs> <laughs> right, we will move on now to the champion hurdle, which is um, obviously our race to get really stuck into. However, my slight feeling that everyone is going to be biased towards one horse. So let's start. Jerry, Constitution Hill, absolute monster. To be fair, I suppose I, I probably should go last year, really, and just let well, let you say what you want to say, and then I'll probably no. But no, to be fair, Megan and everyone, he's just yeah, he's a brilliant racehorse. Um, like I know, I know people say Nicky kind of you know he uses words to explain horses and describe horses, but he doesn't use the word freakish to describe a horse for no reason. As long as I've known him, he's never used the word. Um, someone will probably find something now written from years ago where he has used the word. <laughs> and to be fair, this is before the horse ran on Saturday. He says like he's a freak. His work has been freakish, what he does. And I can only back it up. You know, he's he's a very, very special horse. Um, there's no airs and grace about him. Like even Nicky, Nicky, he was on a show on Sunday and um, they asked him if they'd seen him out Sunday morning. He says he has, but you wouldn't, like you said, he, he pulls out and he does nothing special. You know, he walks, he trots, he was sound, but... He never moves brilliantly. He never, you know, he's just that sort of horse. He's just very plain Jane and just, um, no, he's a, he's a brilliant Jer- horse. Jerry, when they say his work has been freakish, what, what sort of things is, is, you know, to the average person that doesn't know what that means, how would you de- deter a horse being freakish at home in, in his work to uh, yeah. your average horse? Um, I suppose the best way to kind of describe that, Daryl, is um, he works with very good horses at home. And he's all, say, in a group of three, he'll be dropped out last, the first two horses. So you jump off single file. Um, you So they'll be working over probably nine furlongs, maybe 10 sometimes. And he'll take a lead. And like he'll even give the two horses a five or six length head start at the beginning just to give, the, give them, just get them to try to work. And when you see this horse gallop, he looms upside. He stays upside for... I don't know, maybe half a furlong, a furlong. And then you just have to let him go to get actually get him to do something. And he just, he makes very, very, like grade one horses look like they're walking up the gallop and they're actually not. And he can just pull 10, 12 and then clear horses. Um, wow. We're at the stage now that we're probably going to have to buy a flat horse or something, a high <laughs> flat horse, just to lead him and just to get him to do something because he's, it's, it's very hard to get a, a real hard bit of work into him because he just finds everything so easy. Christ. I think it's hard to get a hard rate, hard sort of racing from as well. Like, I mean, at Cheltenham last year in the Supreme, I mean, Nico kind of gave him a bit of a squeeze off the bend, maybe a tap on the shoulder. And the next thing, he's that furlong clear. I mean, he didn't even have to get, he's literally, we've not seen what happens when you get stuck into this horse. So whether it's at home or whether it's on the track, I mean, it's literally phenomenal. 
he is odds on already, which seems totally bonkers. However, for this horse, surely, Daryl, that is not actually as mad as it seems. Oh, absolutely not. Because if you look down this race, like who's going to run? Like there's, there's only about, I can only find about six horses that might run in this race. Um, and some of those might even be scared off of, of taking on Constitution Hill. You know, like we could have a very small feel for this. I think, I think you said he's four to six. It could be more like one to three on the day. I mean, Ryan, Ryan, you know, damn me if I'm talking absolute rubbish there, but I genuinely can't see more than six, seven runners in this race. You know, if Honeysuckle's beaten before she gets to the champion, listen, I don't think she's got a chance in hell of getting near him at all, by the way. If you go back to last year's champion hurdle and Supreme run on the same card, my goodness me, he absolutely blitzed her. Every single, you know, the comparisons between the two races are just non-existent. He blitzed her everywhere. Um, I, I don't think she'll get near him. State man, look, I thought he should have gone over fences. He's a he's a horse I was a big fan of last season. I, I just thought he should have gone over fences. They've they've robbed the dice with the champion hurdle. They must be absolutely quaking in their boots after what they see at Newcastle from Constitution Hill. I just don't see who's going to run. Um, so yeah, I think he should be. I mean, I think it's a generous price, Megan. To be honest with you, Ryan. Um, obviously, like Daryl said. You know, he could be shorting up even more beforehand, especially if we see him running again and putting on such a performance. But we can't go away from the fact that Honeysuckle is reigning champion at the moment. She's unbeaten. She's an incredible mare. And she probably hasn't got the credit that she deserves. And I'm not saying that she's going to be Constitution Hill, because personally, I don't think she can. But she certainly hasn't been given all the credit that she's due. Probably not, Megan, but I suppose when you go down through through her form, um, literally, like the, the two champion hurdles that she won, there's no real star among them. Like she's beaten Sharjah um, in one, um, and then last year she's obviously beaten Epitant. Like Epitant, Epitant is a really good man in her own right, but we've seen what, what Constitution Hill done to done to her last Saturday. So when you actually go through what she's beaten in a champion hurdle, you can pick holes and say that there's no out-and-out star in it. Um, and for a while, when she was early on in her career, racing over two and a half miles, people thought the drop and trip would be a worry. You know, obviously against the horses that she was running against then, it wasn't, and she's very versatile in that regard. But um, I do think, obviously, we're dealing with a different kettle of fish with Constitution Hill. And to be honest, probably even Statement as well. If there was no Constitution Hill in the race and it was just Statement against Honeysuckle, I'd imagine a lot of people would be putting Statement up against her because you have to remember, she is eight going nine. And there's only two nine-year-old winners of the race in the last 20 years. So that's definitely going to be a negative for her. Um, in regards to Constitution Hill, he's only had the four starts on the rules. And I don't know about you, but the, the thing that struck me the most, we obviously found out in the Supreme that, like, and maybe even before that, that he's a huge engine. Like, I think we all knew that going into Saturday, but I was so impressed with his jumping. I couldn't believe how low he got at his hurdles for a horse that's had so little experience on the track. Like, usually you would think to yourself that for a horse to jump that quick, They'd either need to run in grade ones over the trip, or they'd need to have a lot of they'd a lot of racing done to jump that low. And for him to jump so low and jump like a champion hurdler after three hurdle runs, um, like he didn't even jump that well in the Supreme as well as he did on Saturday. Like, um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they actually made the running on him again the next day because I don't see any reason not to. Um, but the jumping aspect constitutionally really impressed me. Listen, at the moment, unless you don't fancy Constitution Hill at the prices, it's very hard to have a bet in the race. But we are up on site on both the Sportsbook and the Exchange uh, with a betting without market. And I think at this stage, that'll be interesting. Um, for me, I think Honeysuckle's around a 5-4 to four chance. She's one I would be avoiding in that market. 
Again, Daryl's right Brian, in the sense. Can that, I just butt in there? Do you think that she's more likely to go for the mayor's? Uh, honeysuckle. No. Yeah. No, I think that no, I don't think there's any chance she'll go for the mayor's just because I think everyone will be building this up so much that I don't think Henry would be able to go to the mayor's. I think it'd be a big letdown on the sport as a whole if she did end up <laughs> swerving, end up swerving constitutionally. I think the good thing about this is though that that the two of them should end up getting there unbeaten for the season, hopefully. I think that that's a big that's a big thing as well because that's what we want really. If we can get the two of them there unbeaten for the season, then everyone will have have their opinion. It hasn't happened yet. Neither have been beaten. So the big thing is Honeysuckle coming back this season and looking as good as she was last season. But in saying that, as I said, eight going nine. There's only going to be seven, six, seven runners in, in the race. You'd imagine it's hard to see Willie Mullins running more than two in the race. Um, I'm not sure if Oban will turn up. So in the betting without at the moment, I'd be looking at the likes of Stateman around nine to four in the exchange, two to one the sportsbook because. Uh, I agree with Daryl that Honeysuckle, eight going nine, and I think she's facing opposition she never faced this year before. Do we think, oh, you look, she obviously runs this weekend. State man has come back, he won a grade one on his reappearance, was very impressive. Surely there could potentially be a clash between those two um, in Ireland before the champion hurdle, and, and that could teach us that bit more as well. Um, Daryl, you think, nodding there, that, that that's very possible. Yeah, that's that's completely possible to happen at Christmas. Um, they'd have both had a run under their belt, um, and I don't see why they wouldn't clash at Christmas. To be honest, um, the only thing I'd say there, Daryl, is Honeysuckle tends to go for the Dublin Racing Festival the last couple of seasons, so I'd imagine she'd skip Christmas and go there, and then they'll avoid each other again, which is not okay, ideal. Yeah. But that could yeah, that happen. makes more sense. Mm. Yeah, can I can I just throw one in? Can I can I throw one at a big price in the mix, right? And this is this is I don't for a minute think he's going to beat Constitution Hill, right? But Bob Ollinger is 40 to 1, right? Now, listen, I was the first person to say there was something not right with him on his return. I don't like his head carriage. Like, it's a lot higher than it was when he was a novice. There's something not quite right with him, right? But you forgive him two runs. He's 40 to 1. He's not going to go in any other race other than this, potentially. I know it's Honeysuckle, same, same stable, but different owners. I can't see him going in any other race. There's no two and a half mile race at the festival. He's not going to have a hope in hell in the stage trip, right? If there's six runners here, he gets in the frame. You've got an eight to one winner if he gets in the first three, if you back him at 40 to one. So, Jerry's laughing at you right now. No. Yeah, I know, because Jerry, Jerry. Jerry, you are. No, I'm but I'm, I'm just trying to think. He's lost the plot. I'm, I'm just trying to think when this horse last ran over two miles. I agree about having no race for him. But when was the last time he ran over two? Gee, he'd be totally taken off his feet, wouldn't he? Yeah, but could Henry not do a sort of avoid Cheltenham and go to entry? Perfect race for him, a fresh horse. If, if that's what they're going to do, why would you go and take on Constitution Hill if there's a perfect type of race at entry over two and a half miles? Well, surely surely the owners want to want to run over run at the Sheldon Festival weren't they surely I, I mean I'm, that, I'm just saying I'm just saying look I don't think it's all we can win so it's probably be a poor bet from that perspective but he's 40 to 1 this race of the entrance at the moment I can literally only see 6 including him so you're going to be getting if, if he does go you'd get 8 to 1 for him to finish in the first 3 now he only needs something some you know that's 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 saying that Honeysuckle goes you know if she's beaten before before Cheltenham she may not she may not even go you know, so then you're looking at okay, you've got five runners. You're getting an eight to one. You get an eight to one winner for for finishing the first three. Bob Ollinger. Look, I know, I know, Jerry's laughing at me. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll have my own back on you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> you're thinking inside the box. I like it. I like I'm it. just trying to think outside the box. It's twenty to one without as well, Daryl. 
there you go. Like, like I'm just trying to think outside the box because this this market, although I've, we've got I've a got superstar, two to ask about outside the box, slightly bigger prices as well. Well, who? I don't think these are quite as bonkers as yours. Your one, to be go fair, on. not go quite. <laughs> right, two, Nathan Hill, who would not be afraid to run him if it was cutting up in the respect of trying to run into a place. He obviously won the elite at Wincanton, has certainly looked to have improved and sharpened up his jumping. Now, I, again, am not saying that he's going to beat Constitution Hill, but if he carries on this two-mile campaign this year and it's going to be six runners, he's the type that could easily turn up and run a huge race to finish second and pick up some great prize money. He's 33-1 to one at the moment. Well, I suppose at the, the last day, I will say about him and we can't, he surprised me. I know he was getting weighed off so royal, but... As you said, Megan, like he definitely sharpened up his jump. And, and actually, I didn't think he he had that much speed that he had. I know he's a winner over two miles in the past, but it was on, well, he was standing was, was decent enough ground, but that was obviously off a mark of, I think, around 134, 135. So he definitely impressed me the way um, he quickened the last day to beat a quick horse. He was obviously receiving weight. So it's not the worst show in the world. He's obviously around 30 to 1 in, in the race itself. But I think at this stage, if you can find a runner each way, or even you can, I think we, we're going up, we're going up each way without in the without market as well. I think if you can find a runner in that market uh, at a double figure price, I think you'd be on value of the day. So it's not yeah. a bad show. Well, That's what I was trying to get at. Ones, <laughs> yeah, one of those other ones, double figures, 33 to 1. Um, we'll ask you, Jerry, about this fella is Pied Piper, who's obviously got a good record at Cheltenham. Um, he's two from two returning this season. Uh, could he potentially, you know, Gordon again, as we've heard recently, he's not afraid to p- take people on. So could he be, you know, prepared to take Constitution Hill on in the champion hurdle with him? Yeah, no, I agree. I, and I, I do like the fact he's had a good record around Cheltenham and he's even been around there this year as well. Um, he obviously acts around the track very well and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's probably not a bad shout. I just wonder what sort of mark he's off now. Will, will he definitely go on and in a graded rate, or would they try to go down the handicap? 147 at the moment. Yeah, he's higher than I expected. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's exactly what and he's 33 to 1. He's probably not a bad each way, each way. And just especially with the course form. Um, he's got no but, chance, Jerry. He's got none. <laughs> I'm, I'm going up the each way angle here now, like, you know. But um, I'd be disappointed if he was in the three. But um, but like I, I say, can't believe that you can say Pipe Piper has no chance, but Bob Ollinger, absolutely, yeah, four, yeah. 40 to 1. You'll laugh what now, mate. You'll laugh now. <laughs> well, we know if he jumps on four to one second favorite, we know who's had all the money on. I mean, I don't think there's an awful lot more to say about this race. And we did, I hope it's not just six runners because you know that could be fairly boring. But I think even if there was 26, it's still going to be pretty much a you know. Hopefully, all being well and they get there safe and sound, I think we could see a pretty emphatic winner personally. But down to the sort of business end of things, every member of the panel is being spoilt with £20. They can do whatever you can do, whatever you want. On this race, please, champion hurdle, um, sportsbook or exchange bet, and the winner at the end will be crowned champion. Not that you get anything, because thankfully, all the winning money is going to the Injured Jockeys Fund, which is brilliant. It's great to be supporting them, um, probably more so from a personal perspective for me and Jerry, but Ryan and Daryl, I'm sure you can appreciate that a huge amount also. So please try and get winning bets. Daryl, no crazy ones. <laughs> you know, we want as much money to the IGF as possible. Um, but that means I'm going to have to pin you down on an answer, please. So, Champion Hurdle, I really feel like this is going to be a, a clean sweep. But Champion Hurdle, Jerry, where's your £20 going? Um, 
I was going to say we're not going to have much profit for the injured jockeys fund if we're back in a four to seven shop, but I just can't I can't afford <laughs> them unless the lads are trying to come up with some sort of. Uh, well, you can maybe do it without bet, Jerry. If you wanted to do something without, maybe if you fancied honeysuckle, the winner be second, or state man to be winner be second, because I think that's yeah. probably the best market to do a bet in at this stage. Yeah, true, true. If that's the case, though, I've got twenty quid on honeysuckle at a four to one or whatever price she is without. No, without she's around five to four. Without, so it's, it's still, it's still it's a lot bigger than four to seven. Though Constitution Hill is, to be fair, if you want to do that. Yeah, I'll do that. So I'll go honeysuckle without Constitution Hill. Okay, and and Tarrell? <laughs> I'm not going to let you put me off. I'm just going to I'm going to I'm going to be speculative with this race. Um, I'm going to ten pound each way. Bob Ollinger, forty to one. And Ryan. Um, I'll cover all angles without. I'm gonna go statement without. I'll have the twenty pound on statement without the exchange uh, at nine to four. Megan. Well, I in that case will probably go nap as hell each way. Um, thirty three to one at the moment. I think he's you know one that could likely run. Um, we've had you know there we're trying to find angle for for a bit of profit for the IJF, but I think it's fair to say are we all voting Constitution Hell as the the likely winner of this race? Yeah. 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 Okay. That's um exactly exactly the answer I thought. So yeah. I mean, we're we're not going to be arguing over that one, which is good. Week one, and there's been no arguments about the winner of the champion hurdle. So that's that. That is a good start. Um. So thank you guys very much for all of your knowledge to an extent. Um. <laughs> thanks everyone for listening and tuning in. A quick reminder, we have Racing Only Better previewing all the weekend action on Thursday and weighed in on Monday with all the latest from the world of racing. We will be back next week with our next preview ahead of the Chatham Festival. But please remember, everyone gamble responsibly. And once again, thank you so much for joining us.